Welcome to the Grit Growth Podcast. Commit to conquer, lead your life, leave a legacy, gather your grit, and let's get after it. Thanks. All right. Well, let's do this. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And I've been really looking forward to it. Uh, You want to just start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and your professional journey um, and, and how you got into what it is that you're doing today. Sure. So uh, first off, let me start by thanking both of you for having me and being gracious. And I'm so happy that we were finally able to make this happen and put this together. So a little bit about my background. I started out in marketing. I was one of those that wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I was really ready to get out of school and I uh, I chose marketing and uh, so that I could go ahead and graduate. But I was very fortunate in that uh, where I was, I was in a town with a major uh, hair care manufacturer. And so I got a job there. And once I got that job, everything really clicked for me. Marketing became my passion and I had a chance to work on some really iconic brands in the hair care and beauty industry. I ended up um, going back to school and got a master's degree and then uh, was fortunate to get a job in right out of graduate school and moved to New York City where I worked for Revlon for a little while. So that was an ex- exciting time just working in the city and working for a major brand in the beauty industry. And um, time I, so I think shortly after I got there, maybe a year or two after I got there, they moved us to Jacksonville, Florida. And so all this time, and I'm sure with you all being uh, from Florida, Revlon, a lot of Revlon products are made right there in Jacksonville. And so they moved us to Jacksonville and my office was in that tall Modus, used to be the Modus building, that tall building in Jacksonville, you see it in the skyline. And I had a, an office on the 30th something floor. So great office, a glass wall so I could look out and you could see the beach from the office. But I, I was really miserable and, and just ready, I guess, ready for a change, ready to do something different. I always saw myself having more ownership and more, I guess, more authority over uh, business and, and having an opportunity to do that. So I think entrepreneurship was always a part of my journey. I just didn't know at the time that's what it was. And so I ended up leaving uh, Revlon and because I didn't want to move to Jacksonville. So I was commuting every day from Savannah, Georgia. And um, I ended up leaving Revlon and went into, got into my own business. And my first taste of entrepreneurship was having a, a retail store, a seasonal retail business in the mall. And um, having worked in retail before, I knew about retail and knew some things, but um, I'm sure you've seen these calendar kiosks that pop up in the malls during the holidays. You might see them from October until about February. So I got one of those. I was intrigued because the, the ad said you would be the owner operator. And so I said, I'll give it a shot. So I did that. And in our first year, we were one of the top 10 stores in the country. So if you can imagine, they have these stores and malls all over the country and all over Canada. It's a huge franchise and you don't even have to buy into the opportunity. You just give them a percentage of your profits. And we were a top 10 store. And so my store did so well, they gave me two more stores. So I ended up with three stores in two markets in in a short amount of time. And this was just something for me to, to do to pick up some extra money. 
So um, I soon, I did that for four years, and I realized that <clears throat> uh, working retail is grueling. And so I transitioned out of that and started working for a construction firm. <clears throat> and with that construction firm, <clears throat> that was really how I got into working with small businesses and supplier diversity. So I've been doing that for the last almost 20 years now. And now, excuse me, today, my company, Porter Brown Associates, while we are a small minority and woman-owned firm and we're certified and CBE and we have all of those certifications, we're also a consultant. We work with organizations that want to implement an inclusive business strategy and or supplier or excuse me a supplier diversity program but we also work with a lot of small businesses and helping them do business with institutions so over the last year i've been working with a lot of uh, business accelerators and working with small businesses helping them to just ramp up and grow and scale their businesses and and stuff doing that with a lot of organizations, a lot of corporations, and it's been really, really fun. And so because of that, I have a, a new training division in the company. So during this time, during this pandemic, it's been, I know it's been challenging for a lot of businesses, but we've been able to grow and expand and really sustain ourselves by taking advantage of opportunities as they come up in the marketplace. And um, my new, I just released a new book too uh, last month supplier diversity for dummies. I'm really excited about that because it allows me to work with another, a new publisher, and hopefully reach a whole new audience with my message of inclusive business strategies and supplier diversity and uh, working with small businesses. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Great, great kind of progression there and, and kind of that realization you know, of the entrepreneurship and, and being your own boss. And you've got a, a couple other books out there, you know, I'm, uh, I know of that uh, I think has the boss in the title. At least one of them does. I know that. I do have some other books. Thanks, Matt. You know, I'm a, I'm not, I, I call myself a reluctant author because I never thought that being an author was in my future or my plans. And so I stumbled across and got a, a book deal and it was uh, my first book is Fifty Billion Dollar Boss, and it's a book about uh, Black women entrepreneurs. And then from there, I wrote another book on uh, supplier diversity and entrepreneurship. And so, I I am an author. I do have author in my title, but I I sometimes I forget about that because I have so many other things going on. And so, uh, so thank you for for mentioning my books, giving my no. books some shout shout out. No, absolutely, and. You know, it, you know, Carson and I sit here and we, we, we talk about grit and, and kind of that that installation of grit. What What is it? You know, what is it for people today? And, and so you don't think of yourself as an author. You know, is that is that because it's not something you do every day or, you know, what kind of grit did it take for you to get these books complete? Well, I will say that, and, and excuse me, I certainly don't want my story to sound like all of these great things happened to me and I've been able to push forward and, and all of this stuff without having those valleys that, that naturally happen when you're an entrepreneur, when you're in a corporate environment or whatever that is. And so with the book process, I started, uh, I started working on my first book probably in 2007, 2008. And it started as a project every night. I was trying to figure out and research what is the next big 
anything and what's happening out there that I could take advantage of and just trying to figure out how can I find an opportunity that I can take advantage of for a business opportunity. I started out looking for business opportunities and I just thought, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could just read other people's stories because I'm a big fan of biographies to read their stories and see how are they able to find an idea or create an idea or find a niche in the marketplace or find a niche in the market that they could capitalize on. And I really couldn't find any of those stories that resonated with me. There are a lot of biographies out there, but their stories are very different, uh, very different than mine being at the time a single parent and, excuse me, not really having a lot of those resources or or maybe that network that I could go to to get money with an idea. And so it was just kind of, how do you make something out of nothing? And so I didn't see a lot of stories that resonated with me. So I said, well, maybe this is something that I can write myself and just find women. And I was initially, when I wrote it, I was looking at celebrity women because I thought that's what people wanted to read. And so I wrote it up. I didn't even know what a book proposal was. I just, it was just, hey, how do I just write this up? And I send it out to people and get a book deal from my little house in in Georgia. And I I soon realized that's not how it happened. And so I started researching how to write a book proposal and getting all of those things together. And then I I got the courage to send it out to some publishing houses and, and all of that and to see what the response would be. Some people wrote back. I got a lot of no's and a lot of, I got a couple of hell no's, get out of here. And a couple of this will never work and nobody wants to read this. The market is too small. Anything negative that you can think of, I, I probably heard it. But so I, I had to get strategic. I found a, a co-author and we worked on a project and um, she sent it to her publisher and the publisher said, hey, I like this. This is something that needs to be out there. These stories need to be told. And it was the publisher who also said, rather than making it a story about celebrity women, because we've heard these stories before, why don't you just find everyday women that have built businesses? And because I think that would be more compelling. And she was absolutely right. So with the first book, that's what I focused on, was telling the stories of everyday women who built phenomenal businesses um, and fantastic businesses. Many, Most of them are still around today. So they've been doing this for a minute. And um, I, the book was, was actually received very well. We did very good in the marketplace. We... Um, were nominated for a couple of awards and it really helped to launch. I had an opportunity to go all around speaking and talking about this. And this was before the social unrest of last summer and really before everybody started focusing on women of color as entrepreneurs. And so we were doing this. My first book came out in 2014. And actually for a long time after I got the book deal, I wouldn't even say it out loud because I was scared that maybe this wasn't real or something will happen and this might get taken away. I still did not see myself as an author at that time, even though I had a signed contract to deliver a book. And so um, the book book did well and and then uh, so well, they asked me to write another book about, um, excuse me, supplier diversity. And I really had an opportunity to see how the book industry, how the publishing industry works. And I say, I say that I don't always consider myself an author because this is not something that I ever had a desire to do. You know how some people say they always wanted to be a, a journalist or work in TV since they were little. I never had any aspirations to be an author, but it turns out I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur. I saw a need in the marketplace and I filled it. And so it just happened to be in publishing. 
I mean, hearing that and the negative responses and, and you know, you're finding the co-author kind of guide us through that. I mean, that's you talk about kind of everyday people being successful. Um, obviously, it just didn't happen for you. It was I just I, I think my entrepreneurial way of thinking and how to be strategic and focusing on strategy versus going out there. I realized that nobody was looking for me in my home and my my den writing this and writing down my thoughts. Nobody was interested in that. And so and and the other thing about that is I knew that I wanted this to be published by a publishing house. I could have self-published the book and just gotten it out there and went on about my way, but I wanted this to be a bona fide business book. I wanted it to I wanted it to have some weight in the marketplace. And so I was willing to wait for the right opportunity with the publisher. It took me seven years, but um, it was worth it. I can't tell you how many opportunities have come to me as a result of having a real publisher behind my book project. And so um, having that publisher and having their support and their name and what it carries in the marketplace has been huge. So I realized, again, just thinking, using my entrepreneurial mindset, I needed to be strategic. I needed to find someone that had a relationship with a publisher and find someone that this was their wheelhouse. This was something that they were interested in. And so that's how that relationship came about. I reached out to a couple of people and again, the get out of here and no and all of those things, but all it takes is one yes. And I got that one yes. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of perseverance there, a little bit of resilience, maybe. There was a lot of perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I guess I could have been discouraged um, after the first couple of no's and the first responses that I heard. But uh, at the time, too, this was just kind of a part-time thing. So I don't know if I had any really big, I wasn't banking everything on this. This wasn't going to contribute to my livelihood. And if you know anything about publishing, it's a long time before you can make a living saying that you're an author. But um, absolutely, perseverance, resilience. And it was just kind of one of those projects that was always on the side. And, and every every year I would go back to it. Okay, we're going to make it happen this year. We're going to do it. We're going to push it forward. We're going to send it out to a couple more people and see what happens. And, and I'm, I've always also been just very good at the research and finding what I need to get what I want. And so just when I figured out the strategy, hey, let's partner with somebody, it was just a matter of doing the research to find a person that would be a good fit. And, and so that, that served me well. So absolutely, uh, that resilience and that grit that you all talk about, that absolutely was a part of, of getting this project off the ground. And here we are, just completed my third book and, um, and about to start on my fourth book. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I like how you talk about um, it's the courage and the, and the valor aspect of grit, too. Right. And, and not just with all the no's you had to take before you got a yes, but even backing up before that, um, like when you left your your big fancy 30th floor job at Revlon. Right. What kind of courage did it take to leave that safety net and go out on your own? Um, and obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you look back on it now, and of, of course, it was the right decision. But did you did you doubt yourself at, at any time, you know? And and what 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 did the lows look like when you were 
looking in the mirror, you know, or staring, staring down the, the barrel of all these no's that you were getting. Uh, and where did you draw that courage from to keep it going? Well, um, with the book, I don't know if, if I would call it courage, but I will say uh, when you talk about doubting yourself, absolutely. So I'll tell you a, a really quick story. I, when I started, when I um, was looking to do the store in the mall, and um, I was I was excited about the opportunity, but I was also, oh, you've never done this by yourself. You don't know what you're doing. Can you pull it off? Can you handle it? And so I wasn't sure if it was something that I could do by myself. So I got uh, this guy to partner with me. Hey, let's do this together. And I can't even say that it was strategic. I just, I was, I just wasn't sure if I could do it. And so I got this guy. Let's do it. Let's partner together. So we we partnered together. We do the application. We got approved for our market. And he was the sorriest partner ever. He never showed up. I did all the work myself. I did all the setup myself. I did everything. He might come in and say, oh, well, what time do you need me to work or or something like that? And so from a partnership perspective, it's like I had to manage the schedule. I had to do all the hiring. I was there most of the time. So at the, towards the end, I was like, well, why did I get him in the first place? I could have done this by myself. And I, I ended up doing it by myself. But I realized that I got him as a partner because I didn't think I could pull it off. I didn't think it was something that I could do, but I, I did it. And so moving forward, when I had a chance to get two more stores, I certainly I cut him off. I didn't need him anymore. I proved to myself that this is something that you can do. And every once in a while with different things, especially when you're trying to step out of your comfort zone and do something different, there's always this doubt that creeps in. Oh, can you really do it? Can you really pull it off? And um, I'm getting a lot better about that. But initially, especially in my entrepreneurial journey, I really doubted my ability to pull off certain things. And um, when you doubt yourself, you you make bad decisions and you get stuck with a lousy partner. So that was a lesson in and of itself. Yeah, for sure. I think it. I think so. And he would show up on. He would show up on payday. He would show up (laughs) then. Super convenient. Show up on payday looking for money. Yes, but uh, didn't contribute at all. So. That was a lesson learned for me, an expensive lesson, but lesson learned. Right. Yeah, well, I think self-doubt holds back a ton of people from, you know, trying an idea or or like you talked about early on in your career, um, the first maybe 10 or 10 or 15 years kind of being a, a curiosity phase where you had the 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 tenacity and, you know, the courage to go jump around and try some different things and find out what you liked. Uh which is how you discovered supplier diversity. It's not like you were, you're born into, you know, your second generation supplier diversity or something like that. So um, yeah, I mean, I I think, I think how, how many, how much opportunity cost is out there that that people don't even realize because they just have self doubt and they just take the, you know, what they perceive to be the safer route of, you know, what they've always known or corporate America job or, you know, 40 hours and, and go home and, and make money for somebody else. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, especially with women and, and working, especially now that I'm working with women entrepreneurs, that's probably the biggest thing that I see that with them is that they, a lot of them doubt their ability. They Some of them don't even necessarily view themselves as entrepreneurs. And so just being able to provide 
that safe space where, well, first of all, if you start a business, you're an entrepreneur. But secondly, if you have the vision and, and maybe you, you have access to coaching and, and just getting that support, this is something that you can do. I mean, let's face it, we're not trying to build a, a rocket to the moon. We're probably just doing a store or building buildings or whatever it is. And so we're not trying to, to uh, we're not doctors and curing cancer. So there's a remedy out there for, or solution out there for most businesses that will start. And I will say fear is the biggest thing that keeps people from reaching their highest potential. If I had left fear, even with this, even with uh, starting my own consulting firm, I think because I had already gone through and experienced so many things that uh, I was able to quiet that voice and business working full time and we've just continued to grow and, and opportunities have continued to come. But if I had, had let any fear or doubt creep in, I might be looking for another opportunity now versus really stepping into and leaning into my business and making it a success. And a part of that too is surrounding yourself with like-minded people that can keep you on task and keep you focused. So you kind of, you know, surrounding yourself with people. And so you've seen all these entrepreneurs, you've, you've been through this kind of uh, mentor role, or at least, you know, kind of establishing uh, uh, programs that, you know, have these mentors, you've, you, you've interviewed entrepreneurs, you know, is there, there, there's two parts to this question, is there a common thread that allows them to succeed? And then is there then a thread that you see or have seen that, you know, allows them to fail? Or, or not succeed, right? I mean, there's, you know, it, it's looking at at that kind of both sides of the record. What What is it that, you know, is out there that maybe is that thread that says, yeah, this is a, you know, you can almost see someone, I bet now. You, you have a conversation within the first 30 minutes, you're like, oh yeah, they're going to be successful. Or, oh no, they're not. You know, what is that that, that you see in people and, and entrepreneurs and, and can pass along? So, uh, so I'll start with the common thread that I see that I can immediately within the first couple of minutes, I can tell if that person is going to be in that same space a year from now, two years from now. Um, so that would be fear and, and the doubt and belief in themselves that they can do it, but also the ability to execute. And so I see a lot of people that will stay in a constant state of evaluation or evaluating an opportunity or going to classes or being in accelerator programs and blah, blah, blah. And so you have to, at some point, be ready to step out there and execute. You can't stay on the fence and constantly talk about stuff and not execute it. I'll give you a perfect example. So I was working with a young lady and she has this concept, she has an idea that is actually really good. And... Um, she, she was, she, but she, she's constantly doubting herself and unsure about her ability to pull it off and just gets really overwhelmed and just in her head. And so we, I was telling her that, um, so like, okay, we got to push passes. We have to figure out a way to push passes because what we don't want to see happen is we, we look on the internet or see an article and see somebody else doing your concept, doing what it is that you want to do. And so sure enough, a few days later, she sends me an email and says, this is what I want to do. This is my business. Or she said, she's like looking at, she sent me an email about it. And I was like, well, is this what you wanted to do? Is this what you're looking to do? She's like, yes, this is my concept. And so what I told her was, was going to be her worst nightmare. We saw it. 
somebody else is going to be doing it. And how are you going to feel when somebody else does it? when you had this idea too and you just couldn't get out of your head in order to execute that's really the only thing that separates people that are success one of the things that separates people from from success and failure is the ability to execute it doesn't always have to be perfect you just need to get out there and execute and i'm not saying that that means execution in a lieu of of due diligence because we have to do our due diligence we have to do our research because nobody wants to lose money and and waste time or energy however once that's done we have to get to a point where you just go out here let's just let's see what happens and what have you i see so many things where that are out there that's not perfect and they're they're making a success of it so we we can't let those types of things um hold us back and then the other part to your question is what is the common thread for success. I will say there has to be a certain level of confidence and ability in yourself to execute. So uh, the common thread um, is, is just that confidence that I can do this and just knowing where to go. So even, even if you have confidence and you have no clue what to do, you know where to go to get the answers that you need. And I will say that a lot of times you see this more in men than you do in women. So men have confidence they could be complete idiots, but they have the confidence. And a lot of times that confidence, people feed off of that confidence. And so you can, if you're one of those that can sell ice to an, an Eskimo or sand in the desert, you have to be able to have that confidence and, and let other people see that you're confident in your ability to pull it off. So that's probably the biggest thing that I see, just that confidence that reassures people, that reassures investors, that reassures partners, that even if we don't have what we need today, I know where to go to get what we need to do what we're trying to do. So I, I can't stress enough that confidence. And I spend a lot of time as a coach, and because I do a lot of one-on-one work, I spend a lot of time just building up that confidence. And if you've never grown up with people telling you, you can do this, this is, you, you got this, or this is not a problem, whatever, you can really see the difference that having a nurturing upbringing, uh, what it can do for you versus um, being in an environment or growing up in an environment where you didn't have that nurturing. So is there, is there a confluence there between the, the confidence and the doubt, right? I mean, at what point in time does, do, do you, can you convert someone from doubt to confidence or at what point is it overconfidence? You, you, you mentioned the due diligence. You got to do your due diligence. You know, it's, but where's that tipping point for people to, you know, that you can take someone who's kind of self-doubting and say, now you're, you're, you're ready to jump out mm -hmm. the nest and spread your wings. Or like mm -hmm. you said, with the yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, you're it, absolutely right. I mean, it's, and it's, it's a very thin line. You can, you can be confident and you do one or two little things and you walk into another room, it could be overconfident and, uh, and which, which, could be a deterrent. So you're absolutely right. What that that line is and that point is, I really don't know. I think it just depends on you individually. Um, it, it's an individual barometer and, and it's an individual thing. Um, I, I just me personally, I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where even, even though in the environment that I grew up in, we never uh, just thinking that we couldn't do something that was just not how we were, were brought up. We just assumed anything we wanted to do, we could uh, just because that was just how we were brought up. So, it, I, so but even in that, that uh, environment where I had all the nurturing and, and all of those things, 
I still had a little bit of doubt in my ability to pull off certain things. And it was probably just things that were outside of my comfort zone or out things that were a little bigger than um, other than than my normal everyday. So working in a corporate environment, I could do that with my eyes closed. But now running my own retail store, that was a little different. And, and I did question my ability to do that. So I, I think it's, it's, it's also situ- could be situational where it just really depends on, on what's happening and who you are and what you're comfortable with. But you have to, to figure out how to quiet that doubt. And, and I, think, I, don't, I don't know if we ever get over doubting ourselves completely. That's probably just a human trait in us. But how do we quiet that doubt so that we can lean into the confidence piece and lean into our ability to perform and succeed uh, rather than giving in to the doubt that's going to come? Gotcha. I try to lean into the confidence side more so than the doubt. And usually I can can get over the the doubt window uh, fairly quickly, um, especially if if you're just one of those people that's always trying, okay, we did this now, let's move to the next level and let's move to the next level. Let's do something bigger and better and always trying to grow and succeed. And as an entrepreneur, so I, I frequently try to step out of my comfort zone and do something different. And and I, I, I think that thinking in and of itself, not every entrepreneur wants to do that. They reach a certain level and they're kind of good and, or they like to stay in their comfort zone. I'm one of those, I, I'm ready to step out a little bit and do some different things. And so when you're stepping out of your comfort zone, that's where that, um, that doubt will creep in. Okay. Can I do this? And um, I mean, you, you all see it all the time. We see so many people doing so many things and sometimes we're like oh that person is doing this and how are they doing it if they could do it surely i can do it so sometimes that's a motivator too sure so i want to i want to uh as far as the grit you know specific conversation goes i want to unpack something you said um about the upbringing part <clears throat> you talk about you know people that had a negative upbringing or maybe didn't or instilled that confidence at home um you know, as during their development years, um, how do you, how do you see, or do you have any book or portion of your books that um, deals with that directly? No, I, I don't. And I think that as I get older and as I do more of this coaching and one-on-one work with entrepreneurs, I'm starting to learn that more and more and just really understanding their backgrounds. And because for me, it's like, well, why aren't you confident? Why don't you feel like you can do this? And that's certainly one approach. But then when I start talking to them and, and just, uh, just understanding their backgrounds and all of these things, that's when it started to click for me that not everybody had that nurturing environment. Not everybody had access to that. And that's when I start to realize how important that is, even with our kids. Um, it, it starts with our kids when they were little. And, and so being able to, to just give that reassurance and, and give them the tools that they need to think through things and figure things out and you can do it. And, and as well as the encouragement, that's so see it until we see it manifested in somebody else. And so I just never, uh, just growing up, I never really 
solve a lot of that. And then working with, with women and working with these entrepreneurs, I'm starting to understand how important that is as a part of the entrepreneurial process. So no, I didn't really talk about that in my book before, but, um, but it's certainly something that I'm very interested in and I'm really starting to see the connection and how that, that, that really starts back when you're, you're in middle school and high school and, and goes with you into adulthood. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask next too. If in your, in your one-on-one coaching and consulting, you've seen, um, any certain, you know, factor or tipping point. Uh, cause basically, I mean, one of my long-term goals with, with grit growth is, is to target that high school age, um, kid who has that potential and capacity, but maybe hasn't, um, been led in the right direction or doesn't know the opportunities are even out there, you know, or, or not aware of what potential they do have. So, um, I'm, I'm very interested in that as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that's such a critical time, and um, and you you don't when you're in it in high school and you think about think back to high school and and think back to what did people encourage me or did school uh, administrators encourage me? Maybe maybe not, but I always had it at home. And so when you're you're in a school environment, you have hundreds of kids. You might not always have the ability to provide that nurturing that a child needs. And so being able to, and, and as I'm sure as you all are aware, the schools are so overworked and so overwhelmed and they have so much that they have to keep up with. Encouraging a child is, it could be the last thing on the list. And so if they don't get it at home and there's no ability to get it at school, it's like, well, where, where do you get that encouragement? But I'm seeing that, I mean, these are women, some of these uh, ladies that I coach could be 20s or 30s or 40s. And some of them, this is their first time having a business or being an entrepreneur. And a lot of things that are holding them back stem from something that happened in in high school and so um it's, it's just such a critical age and such a critical point and and i'm sure with you targeting that high school group you'll come to realize that as well when as they grow older they'll look back and say you know my work with carson really helped me to really shape my ability to feel like i could do this or give me the confidence to do whatever it is i want to do that'd be an interesting study to see a group of, of kids or people that had that and a group that didn't have that, and what's the difference in their outcomes, their life outcomes years later? It would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's, the, it's that confidence that, you know, kind of growing up, you're kind of, I would say, you know, for lack of a better term, the inner confidence, but then also the outer confidence of, you know, writing a book, right? You had the inner confidence. You, you'd been an entrepreneur. You've you, you had done a few things already, you'd been in the corporate world, you, you kind of said, man, I can do this. And I had a partner who's crappy and I, I don't need a partner. I can do this on my own. But then the outward confidence, too, of saying, OK, now I'm stepping into a new field and having the courage to step into a new field or a new area. So it's it's almost working on both. Right. I mean, you you you, you have to believe in yourself and then believe in the field and your, I guess believe in yourself in the field you're going into. And it's it's this kind of can be a double whammy for some and almost probably crippling for some. I think that that inner confidence that or that outward confidence is manifested in the execution. So so you're you're absolutely right. It is both sides. Um, the, the inner helps to drive the, the outward confidence, but it's manifested 
in your your execution. If you have confidence in what you're doing and confidence in your project or whatever it is, and you put the time and energy into researching and developing a strategy, then you'll see those positive results. Whereas if you have a, a project and you say, okay, we're just going to go out here and let's just see what happens and cross our fingers, and if not executed as well as it could be, then you'll definitely see a difference. So, so it is both, but um, I, I think that outward is manifested in, in how you execute. Kind of like, uh, hey, let's start a podcast. Well, how do you do that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you all are the perfect example of grit. And, but, but even with that, you didn't let uh, what you didn't know stop you from doing it. And so I love that about what you're doing. I love everything about your premise and, and what it is you're trying to accomplish. And it is ultimately, it, it kind of goes back to Nike saying, just do it. You guys are, hey, let's figure it out and let's do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It'll be what it is. And sometimes an opportunity has to reveal itself. The opportunity will re reveal itself to you. So you may not have to define it immediately. It will define and invent itself or the true nature of it will reveal itself to you and you just go with it. Well, it's, it's, you can wait for doors of opportunity to appear or you can walk down the hallway and seek out and put, put doors in place. And, you know, so um, writing the books, you know, and then that first one that you put out, you said has opened up so many other opportunities for you, you know? And, and so, yeah, it, absolutely. absolutely. You don't kind of know where maybe the path or the hallway is going, but but hey, the, the more doors of opportunity you have, some people might call that luck, but that's just, you know, making it an opportunity for yourself to, to be successful in, in an area you might not even have known of. It, it looks like luck from the outside, right? Uh, but they don't see the seven years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To get yeah. There. They don't right. Yeah. They, I, I always post up every, every, every couple of years, I'll post up uh, I did an article, uh, it may be back in 2007, 2008, and for, for some magazine, some local magazine, and she was like, well, what are you working on? And I said out loud then, I'm writing a book about women entrepreneurs. And it was, so it's back in 2007, 2008. I wrote, I said that, and I said to myself, I wanted to say it out loud. I wanted it in print because I wanted to hold myself accountable for it. I didn't know how, I didn't know how it was gonna be published. I didn't have a publisher, none, any of those things at the time. And so I framed that article and it's in my office. And then um, in 2014, my book was published. And I think this is kind of just manifesting some, sometimes we have to manifest those things that we want because I know that publishers in New York, my publisher is based out of New York, New Jersey, one of those. They're not sitting in there. I knew they weren't sitting in their office waiting on a project from me. So there was, I was finger, not in that circle. Book. I'm just waiting on it. Yeah. I was not in that circle. They were not waiting on some a project or a proposal from me. But uh, so I, I've had to figure out how to make that happen. And then the other thing about that is that when, um, because I spent seven years and working on this proposal, all of this stuff, and trying to trying to get it off the ground, um, they liked the, the premise of the book. They liked everything about it. And then they were like, hey, do you have a proposal for how you're marketing the book and, and all your audience and all of this stuff? Why, yes, I do. 
And so I gave them my 30 page proposal because it had, I take, I had all that time to refine it. So I gave them a 30 page proposal and they were like, wow, this is so in depth. This is great. They immediately, they, they, I got a yes really quickly because I had that proposal. So when you talk about luck, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sure I, I believe in luck, but it's just that preparation. And um, when opportunity comes, you got to be ready. And yeah. so, so I think a lot of that was just, um, just being prepared. No, absolutely. When the opportunity came. So I um, can't, who knows what the outcome would have been had they said, hey, do you have a proposal? Oh, no, what is that? And so the outcome might have been very different. But because I had just researching it, doing it, trying to figure it out, when they asked, I had it ready. And it was very extensive. And they were like, hey, this is an easy yes for us. We'd like to offer you a contract. Ah. And, and you didn't allow the no's to get you down. No, no. Again, I, this was a part-time thing. This was something that I was doing in the evening. So I fortunately at the time I still had my day job. And so a no, I, I was just trying to figure it out. So a no wasn't a deterrent for me. And I, I think- It was a chance to learn. Huh? It was a chance to learn. Yeah. Sometimes there's that learning curve. And so that's what this was. This was my opportunity to learn. Okay. What's the feedback? What are the comments? And so- you you can't when you have a playing the long game you have a, a long vision you can't be deterred by short term responses. So we're we're kind of coming up to the hour here, and I you know I wanted to kind of pause and just you know there's been a lot of great great things you've said, Kathy. Um, you know if you had to sum it up and say you know what's what's the piece of advice for that entrepreneur out there for that. That person who's like, man, I'm 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 sitting at the edge. I I just don't know what to do. Um, do I go for it? Do I not go for it? Is there is there something that you can tell them to to get them to to spread their wings? Yeah, uh, let's see. So there there are a couple of things we did talk about a lot of stuff today, but I I think that um, just being able to step out of your comfort zone. If you have a dream, if you have a vision for something that you want to do, be willing to step outside of your comfort zone to make it happen because it's not going to fall in your lap. If if our dreams and our desires fell in our lap, we'd never do anything. We'd never go anywhere. We'd never move because we wouldn't have to. And so if you're ready, when you look at the stories of people that have, have done things and have, have achieved great things, that can be you but you have to look at what they've done. They've stepped out of their comfort zone. They're going to, when you don't feel like it, you're going to events. You're getting into those circles where those things happen. If I had, had let the fact that I was, at the time I was living in Savannah, Georgia, I'm in a den in my house in Savannah, Georgia. I'm so far away from the network and the, the world and the room where it happens, it's not even funny. But I figured out a way to get myself in the room where it happens, where my name could be a part of the conversation. And here we are. And so understanding your, your, what you don't have, if you don't have it, figure out a way to get it. And, and, and we're, most people are very resourceful. And so I don't think that sometimes it's just a, a lot of excuses. We just got to get past the excuses and execute. So I know you asked for one. And I gave you <laughs> a couple of them. 
So once I once I get into it, it's hard to stop. But hopefully, <laughs> those things will just will will resonate, and they can pick one. If they only need one, they can pick one. I gave them three. <laughs> well, I mean, if I if I had to like sum it up in one word, I you know I'm I'm still going back to kind of that perseverance, you know, and and that the the viability of of your your path. I mean, you you just kept chopping wood. You know, yeah, you, you you make light of it in the sense of it was a side thing. I, you know, the author thing, I just kind of had it as a, I mean, I, I, Kathy, I don't even want to hear that. You just kept at it. You persevered those seven years to make that happen and get into the room, as you just said. So, um, and it was calculated. It wasn't by accident. Yeah. You know, it was, right. it was calculated risk. It was uh, strategic yeah. moves, bold moves, but strategic moves. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do thank you guys uh, for that. I mean, sometimes it's hard to see yourself in that way, but I do thank you for that, and I am appreciative of that. And, and I tell that story because I do want people to, to get motivated and inspired by that, even though if I, I don't always see that in myself as my story, but I, I realize it, it is a path and, and it is an accomplishment, so I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's hard to no, see it when you're when you're close to it and living it, but um, that's what I hope people will get out of this is inspiration and motivation. I'm sure they will. Yeah, I, I think if you're everybody has a dream and, and aspirations for their lives and whatever it is, you can can certainly figure out a way to make it happen. It doesn't have to be big, huge opportunities. It can be something small, but um, whatever it is. You can figure out a way to make it happen, and perseverance is always a good one. Don't give up. Don't don't give in. Just keep keep going at it. And awesome. if the pandemic taught us nothing, uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to do it. So worrying about a no here or there, man, who cares? Let's keep going. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Kathy, you know Carson, you got. Uh, anything else to wrap us up? Uh, I, I, uh, I don't, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. We're running out of time, but maybe, uh, maybe when you finish the fourth book, we'll do another one and you'll, you'll, need, right. to, you'll need to promote it anyway. So we'll do another, uh, by then our, our audience will be massive. So you'll want to come promote on this podcast anyway. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the grit growth podcast with host Carson Stefanelli and Matt Webster. We sincerely hope you were inspired by the interview and found at least one useful tool or tactic to implement in your own life. Now, level up by taking immediate action. Apply one lesson learned to your life as soon as possible to make sure it sticks. Post it and tag us to increase accountability. You can join the Grit Growth Movement to restore American grit to its former glory by building an unprecedented force of conquerors, both in business and in life, at www.gritgrowth.org and wherever you're active on the socials. Please also drop a rating and review on your podcast app as it goes a long way in helping the movement gain traction. Now, don't let this inspiration go to waste. Commit to conquer. Lead your life. Leave a legacy. Gather your grit and go get after it.